0: Welcome to Spark Science, where we share stories of human curiosity. I'm your host, Regina Barber-DeGraff, astrophysicist and obsessed TV watcher. This episode is our first SACNAS show of the fifth season. SACNAS stands for the Society for the Advancement of Chicanos and Native Americans in Science, but it has grown in the last four decades to be the largest organization dedicated to supporting racial and ethnic inclusion in STEM, science, technology, engineering and math. The annual convention is the largest gathering of scientists of color in the nation. Spark Science attends every year, and I had the honor of interviewing keynote speakers. This show was recorded on location at the convention in San Antonio, Texas. Now sit back, relax,
1: and let's learn together. Good afternoon, I'm Dr. Katherine Kanan Nepaktuk milligan Myrie. so my students usually call me Dr. Kat, it's a little easier. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Alaska Anchorage, and I've been there for three years.
0: And you were a, a SACNIS, basically lunch, keynote speaker today, yeah. and you just did that. I really, really enjoyed your story about really trying to explain to your family what you were doing in, in college.
1: I was in the lower 48 for over 20 years, and I'm from Cotsview, so it's very different from the lower 48. And I, um, my mentors would try to ask me, what questions do you want to ask? And, and I would say, well, what questions are you working on? That's what I'll work on. <laughs> but I didn't have an idea of what a scientist could do. So I wasn't looking for research questions when I was growing up. And it wasn't until I got to the lower 48 and started working in research that I realized what you could do with this information what this these tools that you were given in a traditional science education and so now when I have students who come to my lab we have at least five different projects going on in my lab and I'll sit down and I'll go through each one and then I'll ask them which one of these are you interested in and what aspect <laughs> do you want to study and some students um, take whatever project I happen to be working on. Other students will come to me with their own project. Well, so I was a, you
0: know, a grad student too, and we're kind of those, as a grad student, you sit there and you're like, whatever my advisor says, I will do. (laughs) And I don't have these big ideas. Because you, you're right, you don't have a a basis to kind of develop those big ideas. You don't, I mean, where where are they going to come from? Another thing that I wanted to
1: talk to you about is that what are those other projects that, that you offered? So I have a student who studies kombucha, for uh, for example. He brews his own kombucha, and he said, I think that there are microbes in kombucha that can probably be beneficial, and I want to figure out what those are and figure out what kind of activity they have. And so from that, we built a project around identifying microbes in kombucha and then figuring out if any of them have anti-helicobacter activity. And we chose helicobacter because his partner is uh, Alaska Native, and, and I'm Alaska Native, and, and we're both really involved in the major causes of of illness in Alaska Natives, there happens to be a microbe that causes cancer, Helicobacter pylori, which is a gram-negative bacteria that causes ulcers, but in a small subset of people, it causes cancer, gastric cancer and colon cancer. And those happen to be two cancers that are highly prevalent in Alaska Natives. As we're trying to compare these different homebrew recipes and figure out if any of them are able to support the growth of these microbes and are more amenable to perhaps using this as a probiotic in kombucha that is awesome i mean yeah i'm really excited about that project
0: what do you do when you're trying to explain the these projects yeah. and and
1: you're trying to explain them to even even just undergrads that you're working yeah. with that was part of my talk too and you know i'd go home and i'd tell these things to my dad and he'd be like okay his eyes would glaze over and i get that <laughs> so when i talked to undergrads um i I like working with freshmen because i can i can tell them the proper way to hold a pipette. Or yeah. <laughs> so i bring in they're freshmen. like almost an empty slate right <laughs> yeah like they exactly. don't have too much i yeah. can train them exactly how i want so yeah. when i talk to freshmen and uh, high school students because i work with a lot of high school students i tell them look what we're really interested in are these microbes that are in our gut. Those microbes live in these really complex communities with thousands of members. Just like you have an important job in your community, these microbes have an important job in their community. And not just within the community itself, but then they're also affecting the host. So what we're studying is that relationship between those microbial communities and the host. Um, and for the host, we use the immune system as um, as our readout. So how is it? how are these microbes changing the host via the immune system and when we think about the host we not only look at the immune system we also look at how they're developing so how big are they getting do their internal organs look correct because we can see through these fish because they're transparent and then we can look at their behavior too because these microbes also affect the the way that behavior develops in the fish so we can see how much time they spend in close to other fish, or we can see how far they travel, and that tells us how timid they are or how bold they are. And I focus on this relationship between the microbes and their host and how they affect development.
0: There's a lot of new research coming out about, like, in neuroscience, like yeah. how the gut is affecting your brain and how right. those things are connected. For more information about this, check out our student blog post about recent studies that suggest a link between gut microbes and Alzheimer's disease. Is there anything that's, that you use in the past or yeah. now or thinking about using that has to do with, like, pop culture and
1: your science? Well, I was actually really excited that Ed Young was at the... Um, I know, he's so awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a great book. I contain multiple. I, there. And uh, I, so I tell my students to read that book. It tells the story of the microbe research from the point of view of the scientists who are doing the research, while also telling about the science behind those stories. So it's it's this really nice tool to be able to explain why these things are so important. The other thing is that Ed has a series of videos of the I Contain Multitude series. And so my favorite one to show at the beginning of my microbiology class is Uh, a show that he did with um, Jack Gilbert talking about what would happen if we took away all the microbes. And so, you know, it's this apocalyptic view of, but it also gets the point across that microbes are a really important part of our everyday life.
0: Ed Young is a world-renowned science journalist who writes for The Atlantic. And here is the clip that Dr. Catt was referring to.
2: Microbes may be tiny, but they have a profound effect on our lives. Most of us thought of bacteria as germs, as bad guys. And yet, only a few hundred kinds or so are known to cause disease. The vast majority of them are innocuous or beneficial even. Just look in the mirror. Your face, your skin, your mouth, they are covered in gardens of microbes that are stopping more dangerous species from colonizing. Your guts are home to thousands more species which are eating your food for you, or perhaps you are eating their food for them. All told, there are at least as many microbial cells on my body as there are native human cells, which means that, at best, I am just half the person that I think I am, if it's even me doing the thinking at all.
1: And then Rob Knight gave a really neat TED talk a few years ago. Um, and so I point them to that. And the TED talk book that came from that is just a really easy way to um, see where microbiology work has come from and where it's going in the future. So yeah. has your dad seen any of the, the no. I contain multitudes multitudes? You can
0: say like, hey, I saw Ed.
1: Yeah. Did you get to meet him right after the yeah. talk? Yeah. 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 It, awesome. was, it was really fun. I haven't shown my dad these videos. I want to. The next time I go home, I'm hoping to. My, my parents have a um, computer, but the internet service has been slow. They just finally mm-hmm. upgraded to faster internet okay. service. And so now I can be like, Dad, look yeah. at all these great things. So I have shown him pictures of my little
0: fish moving around, but... I want to thank you for talking to me. And like, mm-hmm. I do want to say that your talk was very inspiring and, thank you. and I know you hear that a lot. I hear I'm inspiring. <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, really? I,
1: this is my first time giving oh. a big talk like this. So I was really happy. A student came up to me afterwards and said that she was considering dropping out of, um, her science research. And I, and she listened to my talk and she was inspired to stay. And honestly, I, I almost cried in front of, you know, 200 people who were standing around after and, um, yeah, this is the first time I've been able to give a talk like this. It was really, it was, it was inspiring to hear the stories from the students who were coming up to me afterwards, talking about their struggles and where they've been and where they hope to go. And um, hearing that my talk helped them realize that it was possible and that the, the things that they're working on are worthwhile, it just, it was really moving for me. Oh, that that is so. I'm like smiling like ear to <laughs> ear. <laughs> You're like
0: emotional. Like that's awesome. <laughs> but thank you so much for talking to me.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. it was a pleasure. I'm so glad to have met you.
0: You can follow Dr. Cat on Twitter at n a p a a q t u k. Spark Science will be back with more from the Sackness National Convention. The number one convention with a focus on inclusion in STEM. Welcome back to Spark Science. This episode is our first SACNA show of the fifth season. The annual convention is the largest gathering of scientists of color in the nation. Story Collider is a podcast featuring personal stories related to science, and they came to the National Sackness Convention in San Antonio. I had the opportunity to interview a student who spoke at the live taping.
3: My name is Minerva Contreras, or Minerva Contreras, as you say it in Spanish. I was born in San Diego, but I grew up in Tijuana, Mexico. And I went to school for biotech engineering in Mexico, specifically in Querétaro, at Universidad Autónoma de Querétaro. We were talking earlier that you were born in San Diego, you study in Mexico. (laughs) Yes. Do you
0: have family in Mexico? I do. Okay, I do. I have a lot of family there. What made you want to do that? What made you be like, I'm going to apply, I'm going to go to undergrad, Did you have ideas of being a scientist already, like fighting cancer? No,
3: no. I actually didn't find my passion for science until I was a little older. So around like 21, 22 years old. Right. And I went to art school, actually. I went into film school because I wanted to do something creative, you know, something that would spark like this, like a creative side of me, a storytelling side. Right. And I thought filmmaking was great, so I went in to do that. How far do you get into like that industry? Uh not far at all. I I was there. <laughs> I was there for 3 years. Kay. I got a an associate's degree. Okay. And then I just maybe like 6 months before graduating, I started reading about the brain literally. And I was like I I I'm just going to graduate because you have to finish what you start.
0: I like that comment though because I think a lot of the scientists and the science majors I talk to on this show is we all kind of hit that wall where things get so hard. Things are very clearly planned out. And, you know, you go to university and you have a syllabus and you, you you, have a series of classes that you have to take. But then you hit this part where it's not as well planned out and you have to problem solve or you have right. to do things on your own and it's hard to finish what you start. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's kind of the accomplishment of science is like actually finishing right. projects that you start.
3: So something definitely changed in me because I f- I finished because I knew I had to finish the filmmaking in associate's LA. degree in LA. But I did not go to graduation because I wanted to feel proud of whatever I was going to graduate from.
0: Hmm. So, so you, you mean you didn't feel proud, so you didn't no, go to graduation? I was
3: like, this is—I'm not going to pursue it. You know, Aww. I don't want to stay here, like you, in this industry. Did you regret so, that ever? No, <laughs> I feel like I feel like um, I don't regret it because. I I want to get there, you know? Yeah. I want to graduate, and I want to be super proud of my degree. Mm-hmm. And now I think that I will be.
0: So you're in film school, and stuff happens within your family, health-wise, and you start reading about what happens in the brain. Yes.
3: My parents got divorced when I was 11. And my dad was always kind of particular, I guess, odd in a way. And I always had a feeling. But... I didn't really know how to define what was wrong with him until I guess when I was older. So one day I got a call from him saying he needed to see me and I was in L.A. in my art school and he lived in Tijuana so I knew I had to go so I just went and when I got there he was just completely out of himself Mm. and... He started, like, showing me around his house, showing me, like, it was, it was a huge mess, the house, mm-hmm. right? And this was the house that I grew up in, so I knew the house. But he started showing me the house as if I had never been there before and pointing out every stain on the floor and on the walls and the ceilings, every piece of trash, talking to me about the meaning behind all these things. Wow. And then he said that they were out to get him and that everything had been placed or arranged that way by them and I didn't know how to, like, react, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I left feeling very worried and very confused. Right. And just, I think in my mind, it was just like, well, there's got to be, like, a scientific explanation to this, you know? hmm And so that's what I did. <laughs> I, yeah. I was just like, well, he he he's very lonely. He was very lonely. Yeah. And he had no one. I think that I was, like, one of the persons that he was actually like more open to. Mm -hmm. And even so, like even then it didn't seem like he trusted me all that much. So I had to figure out a way of like learning about what was going on with him and then just trying to solve this huge problem, right? And help him. I eventually hypothetically diagnosed my dad with paranoid schizophrenia. I really got into science because of that. I just started reading about the brain and then it kind of like Went from trying to help them to just like literally finding my passion, Mm -hmm. you know, so now I'm more into the neurobiology of everything not specifically schizophrenia, or... Right, that opened the door a little bit, right. and you're
0: like, oh, these other things. Right, Okay, yes. You're here at SACNIS and you're actually presenting research, because now, now you are an undergrad, you want to go and ha- get a degree in... Is it neurobiology?
3: Yes, neuroscience. Okay. Neurobiology, specifically. So today I'm going to be talking about neurodegenerative disease called FXTAS, Fragile X Associated Tremor Ataxia okay. Syndrome, and we used uh, Cas proteins to rescue the cellular pathology of the disease. So
0: that's a lot of words that I do not understand. <laughs> okay. So start
3: from the... <laughs> so
0: w- exactly what is that that you just said?
3: Okay. So are you familiar with uh, Cas proteins, CRISPR-Cas9? A little bit. Okay. But give give our
0: listeners... Because this is new. This is new technology right. that is, that is actually very amazing
3: and like moving forward very quickly it's it's fascinating yes so it's a gene editing technique basically and for the disease that we're studying there's this premutation that leads to neurodegeneration at the age of 50 to 55 so your whole life can go through and you're perfectly fine and then you're 50 and then you start having this weird like neurological symptoms okay and which are like tremor ataxia problems with memory okay and so we were trying to see if this protein and it was engineered at the lab that i worked at the yo lab at ucsz okay to target rna so okay. so it's just it's crispr cas9 is able to edit genetically and then the lab edited to or engineered it to be able to edit rna
0: I know that you weren't super proud of your filmmaking degree, but yeah. <laughs> but there must have been skills that you yes. got, yes. that that aid you, that that actually make you, I think, really valuable to the to your teams in neuroscience or to your to your class. So, yeah. have you, what are those things that you've maybe noticed?
3: I think what has been most valuable is like the storytelling part of it, because it's it's common that as a scientist, you you can't really find a way to be able to communicate all your great discoveries to the general public. And I think that's a huge problem because it really segregates us from, like, the rest of society. And not in, like, an arrogant way or anything. It's just we really don't know how to communicate our findings in a simple, relatable way. So I'm really passionate about that, actually. And I've been trying to get more into that, which is kind of... One of the reasons why I'm doing this in the first place—the the story collider and right. talking to me—yes, which I'm very approachable. <laughs> yes, okay. yes.
0: I think somebody can write a story or maybe tell a story to their friend, but to actually be able to really communicate it to people is a right. is a separate thing. So I think yes. both those things are something you're bringing to science that you should be proud of. Even thank you. You did. I but hope you so. did graduate from the filmmaking. <laughs> yes, I did. So. so so what are your goals then? So you're going to graduate, you're looking to grad school. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do in
3: grad school? What is your like passion, your mission in life? I really want to get into the molecular biology of the brain. I just, I, I'm super passionate about just knowing how the brain works. And I think I owe my need to understand everything to the fact that I wasn't a hundred percent completely able to understand my dad. So it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you look at it like psychologically, I'm trying to fulfill that in a yeah. sense, you know. I'm so passionate about science and I had no idea about this part of me until I was like 21, 22, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like if everyone was a little bit more open to just listen about simple science that like it's actually really relatable, then they would get just as excited as I did, yeah. you know. And you don't need to pursue a scientific career, but I feel like the world needs to be aware of what's going on scientifically. And I want to be a part of that. Thank you so much for talking
0: to me because that was uh, that was really inspiring. And I hope you, you are proud of your, your filmmaking and
3: your communicating skills because that is something that is- I'm gonna try to be. That is very <laughs> valuable in your field. Thank you.
0: Thank Dr. Kat and Minerva for taking the time to talk to us at such a busy convention. You can follow Dr. Kat on Twitter at N-A-P-A-A-Q-T-U-K. If you'd like to learn more about SACNAS, check out their website, S-A-C-N-A-S dot The I Contain Multitudes video series can be found on YouTube and it's based on the book by Ed Yong. It was produced by HHMI Tangled Bank Studios in association with Room 608 Inc. Spark Science is recorded on location in Bellingham, Washington, at Western Washington University. The, the producers are Suzanne Blaze, Regina Barbara degraff and Robert Clark. Student editors are Julia Thorpe, Andrew Norton, and Zarek Coakley. Additional editing is done by WWU Video Services. Spark Science is sponsored by WWU and is created in partnership with KMRE. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to listen to past episodes, visit sparksciencenow.com. If there's a science idea you're curious about, post a message on our Facebook page or tweet us at SparkScienceNow.